You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. If you will, tonight, I won't keep you standing long, but turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel in chapter 22. I know it's only a couple chapters off from where we was this morning. I promise that was not planned. He just got up here before I did. But you will see that what I have to say tonight very much complements and intertwines with what he said this morning. If you was not here this morning, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, either on Facebook or it will be on the podcast here before long, or, and even YouTube. Um, hey, and while you're at it, say a prayer for our media ministry. It continues to grow, and we continue to seek the Lord to improve and to make it more available. And for you that do not know, the podcast being available has reached way further than what we could have ever imagined because we are getting a lot of downloads from India and other countries, Pakistan and um, Germany, Canada. So we are seeing people that are continually downloading our sermons and stuff from this church. And hey, that's a great work for the Lord. And it's not, it is not possible to do without your continued prayers and your continued support. And as we go on, I expect to see it to continue to grow and flourish. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Verses 14 through 23. And the Bible says, Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, though and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen and that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew it when he fled, and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings, and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahutub, named Abhubthar, sorry for that, pronunciation, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar 
showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me. Abide thou with me. Fear not. For he that seeketh my life, seeketh thy life. But with me, thou shalt be in safeguard. If you will, as I begin to preach and to try to exhort this simple thought, the overlooked and the betrayed, will you pray with me? Lord, Father, God, we thank you, God, for this opportunity, God. God, I need you more now than ever, God. God, I know, God, that you are able, God, to fill my mouth with words. And I know, God, that you are able to open the ears and the hearts of your people. God, I know, God, that there is a purpose. God, I know, God, that we did not come up to share this word by self. But I ask, God, that you will lead and guide. I ask, God, for your anointing. And I ask, God, that you will meet each and every need. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. 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 I cut right into the middle of a story that Pastor this morning actually recapped just a little. We see that David was in the midst, had already been anointed king. He had already been the chosen one of God to lead Israel. We see that Saul became jealous and David began to run because he was afraid and he was afraid for his life because Saul was trying to do everything he could to come and kill him and take his life. We see that David, he in chapter 21, he went and he, as Jonathan told him to go because Saul was going to kill him, he went and found the priests and at the priest he ate the showbread off the table. He lied, he even lied to the priests. He sat there and he got the sword of Goliath that he slew and he went on his way. And as he went on to his way, he found his way to the cave of Adullam. And he stayed there for some time and then after a while, he left Adullam and went on to the forest. And then what we see here as Saul began to look for him, Saul went to the priest that David had lied to. The man that had been overlooked, the man that Saul was jealous of, the man that was chosen of God. And I cannot even imagine what that man might have been going through at this time. Because this period of his life, David, his own father overlooked him when he was chosen. He was overlooked by his brothers whenever he went to go face Goliath. He was overlooked because he was the one God had chosen, but men, they, they just did not see it. And you know, 
A lot of times whenever you see people with great oratorical abilities, you see people that you think should be somewhere, that might just be they may should be there, but often, more often times than not, God's going to choose the one you would never imagine that's going to do a job for Him. He's going to choose the one that's least likely, as Pastor said this morning. He's going to choose the one that the world overlooks. He's going to choose the one that even a lot of Christians are going to betray because they're going to get jealous of His possession. They're going to get jealous because of the way God has anointed and is using him. They are going to get jealous and begin to act out. And we see this time and time again in the life of David. We see this today in churches all over. You know, the, oftentimes in church, the people that have been seeking God for their position, truly searching God for where should I be? What do you want of me, Lord? What talent have you given me to be able to edify the body, to be able to stand up and to do your work, God? Them people are people that's going to be overlooked. It's them people that oftentimes are sitting back thinking that nobody sees them. They're sitting there wanting to quit a lot of times because when they do finally get an opportunity to do a work for the Lord, people get mad. And then oftentimes it gets back to them because people have lied or they try to tell them how to do their, what God's called them to do. Hey, if you're called of God, I've got to say this. It's between you and God. I've got to say this. Whenever you do a work that you are called to do, make sure it is led of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Whenever you are doing something, tune out the people that's telling you how to do it and search the Word of God. Search for the voice of God. Yes, take correction. Yes, take correction from your elders on what kind of experiences and what the Word of God might say. But when it comes to what God's wanting you to say, what God's wanting you to do, He's going to tell you first. And don't back away if you know it is of God. That is why it's so important to pray before you do a work for God. That you pray before you come up here to sing. That you pray before you give a word of encouragement. That you pray and seek the face of the Lord before you stand behind the pulpit. Do not do a work for the Lord without praying first. Because you know just as much as God can use you, if you're not careful, the world and the flesh and the devil can also influence you. So make sure it is of God. Make sure what you are doing is upright. It is what God wants. Because we see right here that David, in his time of running, he went to the priest. Pastor, I'm sorry, but some of them's going to lie to you from time to time. David went to the priest. What did he do? He lied. We'll see in chapter 21 it says, Then came David to Nob. Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone? And no man with thee. And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business. The king never told him to go. As soon as he showed up, and if he was looking for that, I'm sorry, it was chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. But... He went. He stood right there at the high priest and he lied. And the high priest is standing there 
the high priest is doing what the high priest is to do whenever the king's son-in-law, David, came in. A man that people thought very highly of. A man that come in and, I mean, there was no reason that Ahimelech should have thought that David was a liar. But he did. Right there. He lied. And I'm going to fast forward for just a minute. And then I'm going to come back. Kids? Kids? Hey, quit talking to each other and look at me, please. This is important. This life we're living. This life that we are looking and trying to be a light for. When you're talking to people, tell the truth. Whether it is going to hurt or not. Because we see when David lied, when David lied here, what did it do? We already read it. He lied and the priest helped him. I'm not saying if the priest would have helped or would not if he had told the truth. But what it did, Saul and his men went up to the priests. And Saul ordered his men to slay the priests. Because Saul and his Ignorance and in his time of madness wanting to nothing more but to take David's life. He ordered his men to slay the priest. And many of them said no. But there was this one that did. All because of David lying. Tell the truth. A sin is a sin. Lying to your parents, lying to your friends, to your girlfriends, to your boyfriends, to whoever it may be, is not going to gain you anything. And I know it's oftentimes hard to tell the truth or own up because most of the time when we lie, we're lying to save face. We're lying because we messed up and we know we messed up, but we don't want to admit it. We don't want to repent and turn back from it and admit that we was wrong. One lesson that we see here, we have to take accountability. David had done nothing majorly wrong up until this point. And it started with a lie. And if you want to really look back at the rest of what he done, Go back this mor- to this morning's message and listen to Pastor. It didn't get no better for a while. It didn't get any better. But as we see, David took the sword and he continued to run to the cave of Adullam. He had been overlooked and now he was being betrayed by Saul. And after Saul went and killed these priests, there was... Eighty-five of them, I believe, is four score and five. They came back. And one escaped. Only one. And he went and found David. And we see in verses 22 and 23, it says, And David said to Abiathar, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned 
or occasion there is caused, I have caused the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Because of his lie, he blamed himself. Because of his lie, he blamed all of their deaths upon himself. And then he go back and said, Abide thou with me. Fear not, for he hath seeketh my life, seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be safe or in safeguard. So, this is a thought that has been rolling over and over and over in my mind in this last week. I called Pastor one day to kind of talk to him a little bit about it. Whenever a believer comes to Christ, they are called of Christ. They are a person that is God's chosen, God's elect, once they put their faith in Jesus. There is people that believe, well, you're either chosen or you're not before this time. But no, we have a whosoever will gospel. So whosoever will put their faith in Jesus, whosoever will put their faith and be born again, is the elect of God. And once you become the elect of God, at that time, you are to be a light for God. You are to begin to being changed. And he starts it out really rapidly because the old man is crucified and the new man is born again. Because the new creation that you are is going to begin to change. And as we begin to change, we should be walking different and talking different. And this life, we are... And then it seems as at this point, Normally, a newborn-again Christian will have a strong desire to do a work for God. They normally are more fervent at this time than they will ever be again. They normally are asking questions. They're telling everybody around them about Jesus. They're sitting there, and then they, as they go to church, they are praying, or they should be praying. Most are wanting to do a work for God. And when they find that position, or they're trying to find that position, that's when the devil really sets in. That's when the devil really starts talking. They're overlooking you. God's not chose you. God never told that to you. What are you even doing? Your friends think you're a fool? Nobody likes you? You're walking around school all by yourself because you chose to live for God. If you would just act like them, then you could have all the friends you wanted. If, if, if you moved, if, he begins to put all these ideas in your head. You know how long I sat just today after pastor preached this morning? Well, should I continue on where I'm at? Should I move chapters? But you know, if God puts it on a person's heart, if He has put a work or a calling on your life, don't let no one talk you out of it. Don't let anybody. Oh, many will say, well, you're not called to do that. Many's going to tell you that you are not able. And many are going to say, well... Maybe you're at the wrong place. And you might be. But that's between you and God. 
pastor's going to recognize if there is truly a calling there because sometimes self really does want to step in because you love and you desire to work for God for so much that you're going to step into a position that's truly not yours. You're going to want to do something that God's really not called you to do because of your fervency for God. But don't, when you figure out that that's not your position, don't allow the devil to beat you up. Because it takes a pretty big person to step backwards and say, well, I was wrong. I was wrong. But you know, we see right here what we just read. David didn't lie. He didn't say, well... That Saul killed your whole family. That Saul killed all the priests except for you. He said, no, I caused this. I caused. Whenever we finally get to the place where we can take and admit when we're wrong, when we are able to sit there and say, That's my fault. That's a work of grace. Because it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to truly show things to you and to get you to a place where you're not trying to save face. And tonight, I want to really talk about the grace that was bestowed upon David as he traveled from being anointed to king all the way through the cave of Adullam, all the way through this situation and all the way up as he finally made it to the throne. And then even once he made it to the throne, he messed up a few times. And after that, he repented. And through all that, he was still a man after God's own heart. Yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to. But you know what David never did? He never blamed somebody else. He never pointed fingers. He always took responsibility and then he repented. He repented. So, I know I'm in the old covenant. And we are in the new covenant. Grace in the old covenant was unmerited favor. Grace has and always will be unmerited favor in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, it's still unmerited favor. But, you see, we've got something that David never had. we got Jesus. You want to see what grace is really like? Look at Jesus. If you really want to see what grace is, look at Jesus. Because because of Jesus, we we are able to be born again. Because of Jesus, there is no longer a sacrifice that has to take place every year to roll our sins backwards just a year. Because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was allowed and able to come and dwell inside whosoever will believe. Whosoever says yes to Jesus has this power source on the inside of them now. And this power source is able to mediate between you and Jesus. You know everything that is happening is being from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, going straight to Jesus that's on the right hand of the Father. And Hebrews says that He is our mediator. He is our high priest that is sitting there on the right hand of the Father that is making intercession for me and for you. So now grace is able to 
be the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is actually coming down and making intercession between you and Jesus and Jesus and God to be able to lead you and guide you because all the definitions that we see, all the definitions that are looked, I mean, they're all right. Because it is the unmerited favor. It is God's goodness given to undeserving people. It is the divine influence upon the life of the believer. It is all of these things. Because anything that is given from God, we cannot earn it. We We do not deserve it. We do not somehow miraculously pay for it. Because the price has already been paid. The price for this power source, this grace that keeps you going in these times of need, them times when you think you're overlooked, them times whenever you think that the world's against you, them times whenever you are so stuck back in your calling that you don't know if you're going to continue to march forward, them times that you feel betrayed, them things that's going to make you feel like you're beat down, but this grace of God is able to hold you up. The grace of God is able to move you forward. The grace of God's able to lift you up out of that rut. The grace of God's able to see you you through. This is why the fight of faith is not always just miserable. Because even in the times of need, God gives you the grace. Because just as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul talking, or Jesus talking to Paul, should I say, isn't... Well, we'll read it. And he said unto me, My grace... Is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in, the, in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He, Paul, he cried out to God about this thorn in the flesh. Oh, it made him weak. It made him, and I'm, this is the book of West now. But you know, there's times I think I might be able to relate, not to the extent of Paul, but in my own little way, because there's been times there's been a thorn in my flesh where I didn't want to go to church. There's been times I really didn't want to read the Bible. There's been times I sure didn't want to stand up and proclaim the gospel. There's times I didn't want to travel to go to another church. There's times I didn't want to go to the prison. There's times I didn't want to go to the agape house. Because the world had me so beat down and I had allowed it, should I say, that I just didn't want to do it. There was times I wanted to stay home. There's been multiple times. You and the kids go to church without me. I'll just stay here. Thank God for a godly spouse. Thank God for someone that's able to encourage you. Thank God that there are people there that will lift you up when you are down. Because you know, I feel for marriage, married people that are unequally yoked. Because when you are unequally yoked, you don't have that support. You don't have someone that's going to lift you up and encourage you. You don't have someone that's going to try to get you to go to the house of the Lord because they know and you you know you're just being stubborn and stiff-necked that, hey, 
God's going to be there. God can change, and God's given you the grace. But you know, the one thing I have found, it's not never taken a whole lot of convincing to go to church because there was something on the inside that just wouldn't let me stay at home anyways. There was something on the inside that said, you're going to get up and you're going to go anyways. There's something on the inside that says, you're going to get in that vehicle and you're going to drive that hour. You're going to go and proclaim the gospel. You know why? Because the grace of God is sufficient in your times of weakness. Right. But oftentimes, just as David was running to the cave of Adullam, just as David got caught in a lie, just as David took the responsibilities of all them priests being slain upon him, just as David finally made it out of that valley. The grace of God was able to give the strength. That's right. And you know, this is what I really like. Because who knows David was a man after God's own heart? Who knows that this had to be tough on David? Who knows that David was sitting there thinking, I know God anointed me to be king. I know God had chosen me. I know God wanted to use me. But Jonathan is there, and man, do I... I mean, Jonathan and David, they were knit together. Their souls, their spirits were like knit together, the Bible says. They loved each other. But Saul didn't want nothing more but to see Jonathan take the throne. You see... Saul wanted it to stay in his family. Saul wanted, did not want to see David. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine how David must have felt? And you know you've got something David didn't have? Do you know you have access to something David did not have? Do you know there is a power source that is living inside of you? that is acceptable or that you are able to reach and to turn on by your simple faith into Jesus Christ and what He has already done? Do we forget? How soon do we forget? Oh, sometimes I think I might be just... I, I might should have been going to the church of Galatia. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? I mean, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I... I mean, where is my faith? Have you ever questioned where your faith was? Hey, it's quiet. I hope I'm not boring everybody, but it's something we have to look at. Oh, we know the message. Bless God, I know the message. I'm not going to face this. I'm going to go do what I got to do. Yeah. Hey, I know the message too. And every once in a while, I've got to check up and just see what I'm relying on. Am I relying on my Bible study? Am I relying on how much I did or did not pray? Am I relying? Because the first thing the devil's going to do to someone that is really coming on to the message and puts them in a tough spot, one of the first questions is, am I praying enough? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Anything he can do to get your faith off of what God has called you to do. 
any situation, any circumstance, any bill that was not paid is designed to test your faith. And I know I don't, I don't know, I might sound like a broken record, I don't know. But your faith is so important because that's the one thing the devil is truly after. That's right. He don't care about your family or finances. He don't care about your friends at school. Guess what? Kids, he don't care about your relationship with your parents. That's right. He does not care. What he cares about is your faith. All he wants to do is destroy it. And if he can creep in and get between you and your parents, between you and your spouse, between you and your co-worker that you think a lot of, and cause a situation that gets you to begin to doubt, he's going to do it. Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to test you any way and every way that he can. He's going to test you in ways you never thought. You're going to go into some valleys that's deeper than you could ever imagine. You're going to be betrayed by people you never thought you'd be betrayed up from. You're going to go through some things. But you know what? A Christian experience ain't just the valleys. It's not just the valleys. Yes, your faith is going to be tested. But you know, there's also mountaintops. Mountaintops. David experienced them. David got to see victories. David got to see victories. He got to be used of God. But then that even there comes another hurdle. You say, why are you doing this? This is really slow. We come to hear preaching. You know what? I don't want to just hype people up. I want people to know the Word of God. I want people to take something that is going to strengthen their faith and to be able to withstand another fight. Because when you are called and you have a great victory, there's people that's going to be watching you. And it's going to do one of two things to them people. It's either they're going to be happy for you and try to cheer you on, or they're going to tell everybody around how bad you did, even though you did a great work for the Lord. But you know, I try my best to keep in mind them times, them high points, whenever you're at the agape house and you preach your heart out and people are broken under the presence of God and you get word a few weeks later of somebody asking about how you're doing and saying, hey, I once was lost. I once was an atheist, but then they came. They came and now I believe. I am born again now because of that person coming and proclaiming the gospel and allowing God to use them. Hey, them times whenever people reach out to you and say, Hey, guess what God did in my life? Guess what God did? Because you allowed the Lord to use you. Or them times whenever you just send somebody a message and they'll be like, 
You don't know how much I needed that. Them times we listen to the Holy Spirit whenever we don't think much of it, but we go ahead and do it. And the times that you are used of God a lot of times, whenever everything, it seems, fighting you, when everything natural seems to tell you that, you don't need to go do that. You don't need to go talk to that person. You don't need to be used of God because you might just look a little bit goofy. No one been there? No one at all? You have a power source on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. You have someone that you are able to cry out, Father, Father. He wants to hear everything that's going on in your life. He wants to know every situation. He already knows, but He wants you to rely on Him and tell Him. He wants to have a relationship with His children. He wants nothing more to bring humanity back into right relation before the fall. He wants nothing more. I mean, it is His mercy, His compassion. It is the compassion that He has, the pity He has for fallen humanity, and that's the only reason He's not destroyed. That's the only reason Sodom and Gomorrah hasn't happened again. Hey, look around. Things aren't getting better. But there's still a remnant. There's still a few that is able to stand up and cry out to people. Oh, the voice lost crying in the wilderness. How we need more kids in the school crying out for God. Crying out to the lost. You know, it's not much that hurts my heart more than seeing all these kids, all these young adults that have not a care in the world. They're not worried about their salvation. They're not worried about nothing. All they're worried about is what they're going to do that night and how bad that it's going to be. That's all they're worried about. No one's pointing them. And then there's been... A lot of deaths lately, it seems. And one struck me, in particular, kind of hard. Because every once in a while, you know families that none of them, as far as you know, none of them has ever went to church. None of them has ever talked to God. None of them, it seems like, They've not even had a chance. Anybody know a family like that? They live life. They do what they want when they do want. There's not no one telling them about church because their circle don't have no one with church in it. There's no one telling them about Jesus. And they're just there. And I know when something happens and they pass on that conscience and creation is enough for them to be judged by. Because when you look out, you know that there's a God. Your moral conscience and creation is enough to be judged by. But where are the people? Where are the voices in the wilderness? I'm oftentimes afraid that the church has been so good at overlooking and betraying people that were truly called 
that was truly called. It has scared many off. And you mix that in with the division that the church has. You mix that in with all the messages of self and not allowing the Holy Spirit to work. The church is sick. We need people. We need to encourage people. How much more could we get done if, it, if we didn't care who did it? How much more could be accomplished? How much more? How much sooner could a David been on the throne? How much sooner could David have been there if Saul would have just recognized and not been worried and jealous? How much sooner could Israel have had the greatest king that they had ever had? A lot of times, I'm afraid we get to a place that we allow the world and the flesh and the devil to beat us down. To where we're going through the motions, we put on our smile, and we show up and act like nothing's ever happened wrong. We look on Facebook and see how great everybody else's life is. Oh, I wish I could have a life like that. I wish I could have that. I wish I could have their money. They're only putting the highlights on there. You don't know what's behind the scenes. Just like you don't know what the person to your right or to your left is going through. You don't know. I'm trying to go slow. I'm trying to really, really make sure I don't leave the mind of God. Because this is important, guys. We come to church because out of obligation. Not all of us, but some of us. We come because we know it's right. We invite people because, well, we're told to. Some of us, we invite people because we love church and we love God and we want them to have what we have. When we're on the mountaintops. But how many are we inviting when we're in the valley? How many are we inviting whenever the world has really got us backed up into a corner? How many then? Oh, we talk about letting our light shine. We talk about all the, the characters of the believer. But how many of us really are secure enough in our faith to sit back and say, God, though you may slay me, my Redeemer liveth. How many is able to sit there and say, you may be seeing this right now. I may be going through this right now. But I've got a strong tower. Oh, I've got a strong tower because I am under his shadow of his wings. Oh, God, I thank you because you are my refuge. You are my fortress. 
God, you are the one that is able to give me the strength. Oh, I'm, this, allow me to lean on your staff. The Word of God that is able to strengthen me. The Holy Spirit that is within me because of my faith in Christ and what He has done to continue to push me forward. And we talk about that, but are we also asking Him to help us encourage our brethren? Are we? I've lost everybody's attention. I know. Conviction's tough. I've dealt with it all week. When you study these out, whenever you're seeing what David has went through, it don't always... Hey, it hits here first. I see what how I've messed up first. I get to be in a bad mood because I don't like what I just read first. Well, I don't know about that. That's the wife. She knows when I'm under conviction really hot and heavy because I'm not happy about it. I'm human, but I'm not afraid to admit it. God's changing me. And because of the message of Christ and Him crucified, the faith and grace, Yes, I might feel overlooked sometimes. Yes, I might feel betrayed sometimes. But my faith in Jesus and what He's already won upon the cross for me, for me, for me. Hey, I make it personal because He did it for me. He he didn't just die for y'all. He died for me. And He has allowed me the great privilege and opportunity to profess His name. Yes, there's people that think I'm still the same old person I used to be. Yes, there's people that don't believe there's really been a change in me because they're not around me because I don't do the things they do. But you know what? There has been a change in me. There has been something that has came alive in me. There is. Hey, I thank God every day for the privilege to be able to speak His Word, to be able to proclaim His Word, to be used of Him even if it's in a small aspect of that day. Hey, I thank God every day for what He's done for my family. I thank God for every day for each and every one of y'all because y'all are my family. I thank and I care and I pray for y'all every day whether you believe it or not. You've got people, you've got men and women of God actually praying and interceding for you because we don't want to see anybody, anybody backslide. We don't want to see anybody lose their faith. We don't want the devil to win one little soul because they, we want them all to see the gates of heaven. You know what? You've got something to shout about. Even in the times of darkness when you don't think you can shout. You don't have to. You have the power from the Holy One. You can just sit there and you can begin to speak. Your spirit speaking expressly through you. When you don't have the words to pray. You know, God has made provisions for that. You know He's made provisions for everything you've went through. Oh, well, you don't know my situation. I don't have to. Because if you're losing something, maybe you need to lose it for a little while to realize the help that God's got for you. Because sometimes we're going to lose a few things because we've stopped putting more of our effort towards that than what we have for God. Hey, it's not God's fault we're hard-headed. That's us. We've got a choice to make each and every day. Are we going to go through our day and lie about it and cause hardship on others? 
Or are we going to meet it head on? Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us because we believe what the Word says? That the Word says that you are crucified with Christ, that you were buried with Him, that you was risen up a new creation. The old things are gone. Hey, the head and writing of ordinances was nailed to the cross for you. Hey, you are no longer under law, but under grace. You are now driven by a new power source to carry out the operations that God has called you to do. Hey, guess what, believer? All you got to do is cry out and say, Father, Father, help me. That's all. Hey, that's enough to get you excited. That's enough to be able to reach out and say, God, my dear friend, He needs you. Convict. Bring Him to the house of the Lord. Oftentimes we give up before we see it. But in this past year, I've seen more people walk through them doors that's been prayed for than I ever have. I've seen more people come to the house of God that I didn't think ever would. You know what? Your prayers are not in vain. Your work is not in vain. Don't give up, child of God. Don't give up. Don't allow the devil to beat you up and make you feel like you're overlooked. Don't allow him to make you feel betrayed. Because that's a lie from the pits of hell. That is a lie that is just trying to discourage you from a work that God's called you to do. Brother Jeff, will you come? And I know pastor could have, any of these men up here could have did this a lot better than I have because I feel like I have stumbled. I feel like I have allowed principalities and powers to undermine what God has laid on my heart. I feel like excuse me. I don't want the devil to win. I've read the book of Revelations. I know in the end, he won't win. But I don't want to see him win. Not a one soul. I don't want him to see him win. Not one of your children. Not one of your grandchildren. I don't want to see not a one of you fall back. I don't want to see not a one of you give in because you feel overlooked or betrayed. I don't want to see not a one of you. God has made provision. Kids are in school and I, I can't imagine the pull. Kids, I don't want to see one of you to be pulled farther into darkness. I want to see each and every one of you to be a light. Adults, I don't want to see one of you fall away and take your kids with you. I don't want to see it. 
Don't give up. Don't give in. Hey, I know the devil attacks the marriage. I know he attacks the head of the house. I know he attacks the wife. You're not just fighting for you. You're fighting for the family. Keep praying. That's a lie of the devil that you're being overlooked. Because I promise you, there's always someone looking at you. And if I have to go through it all, just to get one of them little ones to follow, my Redeemer liveth. I will cry out to the Father. As Jeff begins to play, I just want to encourage you. And I might have done an awful job. You're not overlooked. God's not made a mistake. You've not been betrayed. You might be surrounded by humans. But I can promise you, they really don't want any harm to come to you. So I encourage you. Find you a place to pray. Ask for the grace to help. Ask. Ask for your family to walk through them doors. Pray for the kids as they go back to school. Pray that the will of God will be done in each and every one of their lives. Because just as David made it, He was a man after God's own heart. I'm believing that the people that hear this, the people that are here, and the people that are going to come through them doors that I'm believing for in the future, the devil's not going to get them. I believe it. So if you will, just find your place to pray. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.